We're so glad to have each and every one of you with us today. And uh, before I get into my lesson, I, I got to put a little things, uh, a couple of things aside here. Uh, first of all, if you've enjoyed the bulletin the last few weeks, Brother Timothy Tucker's uh, one been putting that together. We we appreciate that. Um, and he's been putting in some articles that have been written by me. I'm honored that he's putting those in. And uh, actually, these are articles that uh, on our Facebook page. I've been doing that. I try to just about every Saturday to do that. Now, I've got to let you in on a little secret. <laughs> the articles I put in each Saturday uh, into the Facebook page is usually a, a snippet from the sermon I'm going to preach at Buck Lodge on Sunday night or maybe the outline of that lesson I'm going to bring. And so last Sunday's... Um, article that was put in there was meant to be an article that uh, meant to be a sermon I was going to preach a, a few weeks ago over at Buck Lodge, but between the time I wrote the article and Sunday came, I got very sick, and I didn't get to preach that lesson, so I kind of rescheduled it for today and decided to preach it here too. So you got last week's outline in last week's bulletin, or this this morning's outline in this week's bulletin, and, uh, and so we hope that... Uh, that we can expound on a little bit more today. What I want to do today is I want to tell you about the Lord's Church. I want to tell you what I know about the Lord's Church. And I want you to know that what I know about the Lord's Church is only the things that the Bible tells me about the Lord's Church. Because there's people that will tell you things about the Lord's Church. And they, they might be right or they might be incorrect. You know, uh, Sammy was talking about uh, deception this morning. That was our first lesson in our VBS. And as we think about this, if someone tells us something about the Lord's church that's incorrect, it may not be so much that they're trying to deceive us. It may be that they've been deceived also, that they have the wrong ideas about the church. It's something that uh, information that they had received and they hadn't uh, studied it out, hadn't thought it through. And so... It's something that's incorrect for them too. It's it's just something that they didn't know. Uh, sometimes things get passed down through families, through friends, through whoever it may be, and we just get mixed up on some things. But if we want to know something is true, what we need to do is go into the Word of God, and then we know it's right. And so the things that we're going to tell you about the church today are all found in the Word of God. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, Joshua said, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. And so Joshua understands that, that when God tells us something, it's going to be right. He's the one that created all things. He's the one that created this church. And we need to understand that. One last thing before we get into the meat of the lesson. We need to understand that when we're talking about church, we're not talking about this building. This is a church building. It may be in, in some of the past weeks you might have said to someone that, oh, we're remodeling our church. <laughs> our church has got a new paint job. Our church is uh, uh, fixing up some things. Well, we're fixing up some things in the building. We that have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're the church. And so that's the thing that we need to understand as we talk about the church today. First of all, we know that Jesus built the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. 
And we notice that he says upon this rock. He uses this little phrase, this rock. If we go back to verse 16, we understand the rock that he's talking about. And that's when Peter made the confession that you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. That's what Peter said to Jesus. That's what he understood. And Jesus said upon that confession, upon that rock, the church is built. We are all here today because we understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We're not here to just share other things. And yes, we, you know, before services and afterwards, we, we fellowship some, we talk some, but, but we are here to worship today because of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We understand that, and, to, and for no other reason. So Jesus is the focus of our worship. Uh, when Jesus said, I will build my church, we need to understand that at that point in time, the church has not yet been built. It has been built today. That, that time has come. But when Jesus said this, He said, I will build my church. Now, why do I say this? It's because I have uh, had people to tell me that the, the church was built before then. Well, when was it built? Well, some will say when, when John the Baptizer baptized Jesus in the Jordan at the beginning of His ministry, that's when the church started. Well, if that's so, then why did Jesus say, I will build my church? And the reason is, is because it wasn't built then. It wasn't yet established. And so we need to understand that the church was not built at that point in time. We also find that, uh, secondly, that the church will never perish. Again, in the same Scripture, Jesus said the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, again, we've done some remodeling to this building. And as much as, as we try to uh, make upkeep to our houses and to our buildings and all, eventually they're going to be in disrepair, aren't they? It may not be by our own doings. We may do everything we can, but, you know, a, a storm can bring this building down in a hurry, couldn't it? If it's in the best of condition. And so it may not prevail. It may not last. But we as a people, the church will prevail uh, over Hades. Uh, the devil is going to do everything he can to try to tear down the church. But the church is always going to stand. You know, the church was persecuted. In the days of the first century church, once again, we go back to our lesson this morning as we were talking about Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He is converted to Christ. But we saw the old Saul. He was persecuting the church. He was dragging men and women to prison. And it wasn't just him. There were others that, that had that same belief that Saul had. And they didn't believe the church was right. And they were trying to do everything they could to stop it. We can read in the early chapters of Acts of how Peter and John was, was brought into the Sanhedrin Council on many occasions. And they were told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But they kept preaching. And they kept bringing people into the church. More and more people were added to the church each and every day. The Jews could not stop the church. The Romans got offended by the church pretty much too uh, by the time of the first century. And, and they did everything they could to stop Christians from spreading the word. But the church continued to grow. 
And guess what? Today, we have people that would be very, very happy if we just disbanded here at Fountainhead. Let's just all go home. Let's go about doing other things on, on the, the Lord's Day. And let's stop doing the things that we do during the week and on behalf of the Lord's Church, on behalf of the body of Christ. They would love nothing more for us to do that. There are people today that do not believe in God. and we're, So we're under attack. But it's really not anything new because, again, it, it was happening in the first century. It's happening now. It's really happened all along. There's always someone that opposes the Lord's church and would like to bring us down, would like for us to close. But it will never perish. Oh, yes, there might be some congregations that will shut down. But the Lord's church worldwide, universally, is always going to be here. There's always going to be saints somewhere. And we'll continue to serve God. Thirdly, we made note a moment ago that Jesus said, I will build my church. When was it built? It was built on the day of Pentecost. It began on the day of Pentecost after Jesus died on the cross. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And that's the first time that we see the word church in the present tense. So we know that the church was in existence somewhere beginning along the time of that day. Well, let's look what happened during that day. In Acts chapter 2, we, first of all, we see Peter preaching on that day. The, the, all the apostles had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we see the words of Peter as he's preaching about the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's letting everyone know that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He was not some imposter. He was not a false prophet. He was not a false teacher. He truly is the Son of God. And as the multitudes were listening to him on that day, verse 36 said, says that uh, as Peter finished was finishing up his thoughts, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God would call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking the bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this is how the church became the church. With the preaching that, that came from, from Peter. We see that the church was assembled that day. 3,000 souls was added to them. And then verse 47 said that the Lord added unto them daily all those that were saved. 
This is also the, the uh, first example of man being saved. They heard Peter. They believed the things that Peter said. And they were obedient to the things that Peter said. Imagine once again, if you were there that day, and you were among the Jews that, that was uh, there when Jesus was standing on the court with Pilate, and you yelled out, crucify Him, crucify Him. And you were happy. And you were glad that Jesus was crucified. But yet you heard Peter. And by listening to Peter, you understood. And you now believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And you're one of these people that yell out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now you're someone that, that believes Peter. You believe he has the authority to answer that question, or you wouldn't have asked it, would you? Peter has that authority. So you ask him that question. You ask him and all the apostles that question, and the answer that they gave was to repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what 3,000 people did that day. And that's how they became a part of the Lord's church. They were saved. And they were at it. And the church was established. Another thing I tell you about the Lord's church is that God does not show partiality. We find that in Acts chapter 10. Remember the story in Acts chapter 10? There was a man by the name of Cornelius. I believe he's tonight's lesson, isn't he? I may be stepping on some lessons here a little bit. But there was a man by the name of Cornelius. He was a good man. He was honorable. He was a Roman centurion. He believed in God. He prayed to God. And he gave alms to all the people. But he just didn't know what to do. And so he was told. He was told that, that if you will send one of your servants to Joppa, there's a man there by the name of Simon Peter, He's staying at the home of another man by the name of Simon, who is a, a tanner. And he's there in Joppa. You go send him, and he will tell you what you must do. If you go on over to Acts chapter 11, Peter, who is Simon Peter, is, is uh, talking to the other apostles about what happened with him and Cornelius and his family. And he said that... that uh, that Cornelius was told that this man would come and tell you words by which you will be saved. Well, that's Peter. And so Simon Peter came over to him. Now, before this happened, he had this vision. He had a vision three times in which he was told to eat unclean food. And then he told the Lord, I'm not going to eat that. It's unclean. And the Lord said, don't call unclean what I now call clean. And he didn't know what that meant. But when he came to Cornelius, and he realized that Cornelius was a Gentile, that vision was one that he understood now. And he taught the message to Cornelius and his family. And what I'm saying is this, if Peter had not had that vision, if, if Peter had not known what was going on at that particular point in time, if he was one that just one day passed Cornelius on the street, and Cornelius says, I want to know about this gospel of Jesus Christ, Peter might have said to him, you're a Gentile, this is not for you. But God was teaching Peter 
The thing that Jesus has been saying all along to go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel's for everybody. God shows no partiality. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter said to Cornelius, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. Peter finally got it. And I'm so thankful today that, that God shows no partiality. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what your uh, social background is. Everyone can be a part of the Lord's church. God shows no partiality. And this is our example to us, that whosoever will may come. Another thing I can tell you about the Lord's church is that Jesus not only built it, He purchased it with His own blood. Acts 20, verse 28, speaking of Jesus, says that which He, Jesus, purchased with His own blood, speaking of the church. The church was not built, was not purchased with silver and gold. There was no money that was involved in this. But it was the blood of Jesus that purchased the church. And that just tells us that that's how important the church is. He had to give His life up that we can be here today and worship God. That's the only way we could be here. It had to be done. Well, why is it so important? Because our souls are at stake. We're, we're talking about eternal life. Now, if this was something that's not so important, uh, I don't think you and I would be willing to give our lives. No one would give their lives for something that was not important. But we give our lives for something that is significant. And that's what Jesus did. He gave His life that you and I can come together and be a part of the Lord's church, that we can be saved, that we can have a heavenly home someday. Another thought about the Lord's church is that the disciples met on each and every Sunday, as we are this morning. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we find that they came together to break bread. This is what we did just a few moments ago. As we partook of this bread, as we partook from the cup, to remember the body and the blood of Jesus as He died on the cross. And we see that Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. And then Acts chapter 20 verse 7 tells us that this is something they did on the Lord's day. They came together for this purpose. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 says that they also came together to, to give as they had been prospered. And we did that just a few moments also after we partook of this bread and cup. We gave as we've been prospered to help the, the work of the church to provide the things that we need to do to help to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, we are doing other things today too. We're singing. We're praying. And these are things we can do anytime. There's going to be some singing and praying here tomorrow night and Monday or Tuesday night. We get together on Wednesday night, have Bible study. We do a little singing and praying then, don't we? And so we can worship God any time that, that we desire to come together. But the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, was set aside for the purpose of doing these two things that we can remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this is something the church does. 
And lastly, we find that the church is also called the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the builder of the church. He's the purchaser of the church. And he has all authority over the church. We are the body of Christ. And we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, somebody out here, you may be the hand in the body. And someone else might be the foot. And someone else is an eye. And someone else is an ear. But not any one of us can be the head. That part is reserved for Jesus Christ. He's, he has all authority. He's the brains. He's the one that, that lets us know what we need to do as hands and feet and eyes and ears that we may grow and be a healthy body in the Lord's church. I hope all of us are a part of that body. Because you see, we look back again to Acts chapter 2. And we see in Acts chapter 2 how the church began. And once again we see that there was a group of people there that day that asked that question, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then we find in verse 41 that there were 3,000 of them that did that. And these are the ones that the Bible calls saved. There may be someone here today. You're among us. But you haven't done those things. And we want to encourage you this very morning that, that if, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you're interested in having a heavenly home someday, that, that you do the things that the Bible tells us. You know, we first got to believe. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2 when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That shows that they believed. And Peter told them to repent, so that's a part of it too. If there's some things in our life that's different than what the Bible tells us as far as our daily life is concerned, or how we live, then we've got to change those things. That's what repentance is. We must also be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Acts chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. And also we find the Ethiopian over in Acts chapter 8 who made that great confession, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then we are to be baptized, as again Peter says in Acts 2.38, be baptized for the remission of our sins, that our sins be washed away. And if you're here this morning and you haven't done that, we, we just plead with you. We love you. We want you to be obedient to that. And we ask you to come and take care of that right now as we stand and sing.